May I have, May the, I envelope, have the envelope, please? please. And the splendid, splendid blow goes to... Just when you thought it was safe to go back outside, here we are, back inside, wherever you are. It is Rich Buckland and Bill Mesnick. We are known as the Splendid Bohemians. We've been away for a little while due to uh, issues related to nothing other than just life itself. And this program is called The Splendid Boho Goes To. Now, what is the Splendid Boho, Bill? The Splendid Boho. Well, that's the award that you and I have designated to give to the forgotten man, the the character actor who um, keeps a film, you know, elevates a film to another level just by virtue of their being in it. And last episode, we did Ned Beatty in Network who, with a four-and-a-half-minute speech, and that's his only appearance, um, just lifts the film into mythic proportions. Um, today, who is the uh, boho going to? The boho is going to Mr. Randy Quaid. Randy Randall, Quaid, of all people. Randall Rudy Quaid. And the film is The Last Detail. From 1973, directed by Hal Ashby, released by Columbia, was written by Robert Town, and I think that is really interesting because it almost seems like it's improvised, but it's very carefully written. And you know, in the first draft, apparently there were 342 fucks in the first scene alone, so it was problematic right from the beginning. What the hell did he do? Kill the old man? <laughs> Robbery. How much did he live? $40. Tried to lift a polio contribution box. Yeah? Polio boxes, the old man's old lady's favorite do-gooder projects. She took it very seriously. Where are we going, Chief? Fortunate Naval Prison. Good duty for you guys. They're going to get him there, all right. But first, they got to take care of a few details along the way. Okay, Baducky. You're the honcho. But, um... It was a major, major success. I mean, with a budget of 2.3 million, it brought in 10 million, um, and it, it it was part of Jack Nicholson's ascendancy to movie royalty. I've seen things, seen men do things that I wouldn't even begin to tell you at a time like this, my fair darling. I can see what it's done for you. Can you? That's wonderful. Must be the uniform. They are cute, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I, I like the way... You know what I like about it? One of my favorite things about this uniform is the way that it makes your dick look. Eh? And um, it's, a, it's a great time capsule. Now, my understanding is 
although it was nominated for two Golden Globes and three Academy Awards and four British Academy Film Awards, it opened in a theater in Los Angeles to only a $48,000 gate, and the majority of the income came from uh, uh, syndication and then home video and DVD. Wow. Well, you know, Hal Ashby was the director, and um, there's so much to talk about. Well, Where do we start? I mean, we, start our focus here for the Splendid Boho is on the character actor himself. But in order to understand that contribution, you got to talk about the film. You got to talk about you know, and we the should, other actors. You got to talk about the director. So, where do you want to start? Well, here's here's how we simplify it. If you take and a director's career, and you see the type of films that he or she has made, and you look at who is prominent in those motion pictures, you get an idea as to why particular actors were selected for this particular uh, director's films. You, okay, so we want to talk, start so by talking about Hal Ashby. So let's just a little bit about Hal Ashby, because okay. you can't talk about Hal Ashby without talking about two films in particular. For well, me, one of my favorite films of all time... Being There. ...was direct, Being There yes. in 1979, was written, I mean, directed by Hal Ashby. And so I have a tremendous fondness for Hal Ashby. Not only that... I mean, three years earlier, Bound for Glory, remember, uh, that film about Woody well, Guthrie. Well, this is David Carradine uh, with David Carradine, Woody Guthrie. And he directed Harold and Maude in 71, Bud Shampoo Court, in 75. Bud, what, 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 Bud Court, Ruth Gordon. What I'm trying to do is establish the type of actors and the... Uh, yes, and, and, and Bud Court was lobbying to be cast as the character of Meadows, which went to Randy Quaid yes. uh, in the last detail. He's not the only and one. There were, what? Uh, there, he's not the only actor who, who was... No, but, yeah. but you mentioning Bud Court from Harold and Maude... He was one of the actors. He had directed in 71, uh, and last, last Detail was the next film that he did in 73, but he did not go with Harold, uh, with uh, Bud Court. Bud Court would have been a good choice as well but Randy Quaid unbelievable it you know and it wasn't his first film because he had done the last picture show but um, he he embodies this almost non-actor quality that is unbeatable well and you take a look at his history and he was a prolific actor uh, if you take a look at his work as Lyndon Johnson Elvis Presley if you take a look at um, uh, his resume in full. Yeah, and I saw him live on stage with his brother uh, in um, Sam Shepard's True West mm -hmm. at the Cherry Lane Theater. And that was uh, an interesting experience, watching those boys on stage uh, mix it up. Um, Quaid was, you know, he was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he, he, he he emanated the sense of crazy danger, you know, mm -hmm. which which the which the character of Lee in that play requires. Which was to become his trademark as a uh, 
as a personality later in his life. Well, right. I think that's the thing. I mean, we, we, we kind of conflate Randy Quaid, the character of Randy Quaid, which we'll get into more a little later, with the roles that he played. And so he was kind of one of those um, actors where when they appear on, on screen, you just automatically think that's them. See the 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 interesting thing to me is 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 how directors use different actors and how they know with with this immediacy that this particular person is going to work. Now here's an ensemble. Um, I thought when Ashby selected Robert Blake for Secondhand Hearts and um, Bo Bridges for The Landlord, although not his best work, they're two of the most memorable pieces. Robert Blake's work with Barbara Harris, and yeah, Robert Blake is is beyond tarnished. But, uh, but continuing with Hal Ashby, I mean, he he was a he dropped out of high school. He was a rebel, a recluse. He was very famous for doing a lot of drugs. He got into uh, a problem, you know, uh, with the management uh, a lot of times because um, he had his own production company, North Star. But um, he clashed with, uh, you know, the executives at Lorimar, uh, and he was blackballed pretty much. I mean, he was fighting against this this tide of, of management his whole career. He started as an editor. He edited The Loved One, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, and The Heat of the Night, which he won an Oscar for as an editor in 67. Um, so... He was a he was a rebel, and in the seventies, you know that was that was the the people that were leading the charge were were of that persuasion. So let me read this cast, and then if you'd be kind enough, maybe you give us a little synopsis of sure of of, this, of what this film is about. You've got Jack Nicholson as signalman, first class Billy Badass Baduski. Otis Young, as Gunner's mate, first class Richard Mule Mulhall. Otis Young, by the way, was in one of my favorite early TV programs called The Outcasts with Don Murray, where he played... I was trying to think of where I'd ever seen him before or since. The Outcasts with Don Murray. Uh, He was a slave who worked with a Confederate soldier turned bounty hunter. Hey, man. Mulhall. Mulhall. Understand? Yeah. Where are you from, Mulhall? Bugaloosa. Where's that? It's above New Orleans. Hot down there, ain't it? Yeah. Listen, man. Call me Mule. Everybody else does. You. Sure. Okay? Sure. Mule? Yes, sir. They always used to have trouble with my name, too. But Dusky. Always wanting to call me badass. Badass. Interesting premise. There were a number yeah. of shows like Chuck Connors Branded that dealt with issues of, of, 
of that nature. He was cast at the last minute on the film when an actor named uh, Rupert Cross was diagnosed with cancer and had to drop out. So Otis Young was not, you know, he he that was a serendipitous thing. It just uh-huh. dropped into his lap. Okay. And then he's very good in the film. Randy Quaid as Seaman Lawrence, Larry Meadows, Clifton James. How do we know Clifton James, Bill? Yes. He's one of those guys uh, who, you know, you see all the time. And he, he he's always solid. He's playing the, uh, the cursing um, uh, administrative uh, soldier who sends them on this mission. Right, right. Carol Kane. Who's just lovely, a, young is Carol? A, is a American treasure. Michael Moriarty, who, as far as I'm oh, concerned, yes. mm-hmm. his work with De Niro and Bang the Drum slowly is unprecedented. It's just brilliant. One of the best duos uh, in the history of uh, of De Niro's work. I would say he's kind of underused in this film. He's just basically yeah. functioning. Oh yeah, yeah, and that, and of course Nancy Allen. Famed, famous later on for Animal House, Gilda Radner. Yes, and the wife of uh, Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, Gilda Radner, to soon. Yes, Gilda Radner, yeah. and uh, you know that when I rewatched this film recently, um, Gilda Radner is part of this cult of uh, the Nichiren Buddhists who are chanting, and uh, that. That totally like blew my mind because back then when I'd seen the film originally, they they just it almost looked like a parody. But when I moved out to L.A. and then in the ninety early nineties, Shemaine got caught up with the Nichiren Buddhists and we were chanting, uh, you know, and uh, we were in with this group of chanters for a while, and um, you know that the, the they're real. Yeah. Uh huh. But Gilda is, is one of those uh, characters in the this sequence in the film. So give us, if you would, a brief synopsis as to what. Okay, this is a very this is a very um, there's basically no plot. It's it's uh, it, it's a picaresque, as they say. It's episodic kind of thing where there's a frame. Uh, Nicholson and Young are uh, tasked with the assignment of taking their a prisoner, Larry Meadows, 18-year-old seaman who was caught uh, stealing uh, from the, um, uh, what was it? The, not the church, but uh, the collection box. I, I, I think I it was believe the collection, the collection box. box yeah. And so he, he was convicted and they, he had to go to this military prison and they, they travel from, I believe it's Virginia to Maine and they make these various stops along the way as um, Nicholson takes it under his mind to um, take this kid under his wing and teach him about life and, and uh, teach him to be ballsy and drink and fight and Go have them. a sexual experience yeah, and all this stuff. Do. And so as they move up the coastline, they go into these very, they get off the train that, you know, mules keep saying, we got to finish this job and go but Nicholson is like no this is going to happen they they Carol Kane's a prostitute I think in Boston that he hooks Meadows up with and, and there's a bar fight in 
you know, and all this stuff. And eventually they get to um, to where they have to um, drop the kid off and they're feeling like really close to the kid now and conflicted, but at the last minute he tries to run away. So they, they beat him up and take him to prison. Um, and it's basically, that's it. I mean, it's just yeah, basically yeah. this travelogue, yeah, these a- series of events. And um, it's it's like life. It's brilliant. It, it unfolds with this verisimilitude that's undeniable. And Quaid is, you talk about why we do the Splendid Boho. You cannot have this film. It has no credit, even though Nicholson is giving one of the most brilliant performances ever. You cannot have this film without that dumbass kid who who seems like he, he he's in a world of his own. He doesn't know his ass from his elbow. And the, the, Quaid embodies this. Yeah, no, he's the, he is the, uh, wheel on which the entire event spins. Without yeah. Quaid's performance, the film cannot hold itself up, nor keep your attention. Uh, even with the greatness of Jack Nicholson and, and the others in the cast, providing the direction and the uh, the adventure, uh, it, it's an adventure film for those who are ad- adventurously seek some meaning. In, uh, rel- in in interpersonal relationships, um, and this one. Yeah, made, I mean Nicholson won Best Actor at Cannes for this film. Yeah, and, and it's also was made during a period of filmmaking in the in the, in the early seventies that was unprecedented and began a movement. Uh, and I think Ashby was one of the uh, the 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 pillars of that. Well, with old sham- certainly with shampoo. Uh, he opened a door that hadn't been opened before. Uh, and Nicholson, his work had already triumphed in five easy pieces, King of Marvin Gardens. Yes, actually, this film had to be stalled for 18 months as Jack made King of Marvin Gardens. Yeah. So they want, this was written by Robert Town for Jack. Right, right. And so they had to wait on Jack. Um, and there was a lot of production issues. They had to shoot in Canadian naval bases because they, they weren't allowed to do it in the States. The first editor was fired and replaced by um, Robert C. Jones, who edited Guess Who's Coming for, to Dinner. Um, there, there were issues, but they they saw it through eventually, and it were, it's, our, it's all to our benefit. Well, one of the great issues was when Ashby saw the... Uh the first cut, he was horrified. Yeah. And he thought he was going to have to do it himself. And he didn't. And since he was the top editor in Hollywood, he, uh, you know, he was well able to do that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Randy Quaid. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia with Randy Quaid. Now, Randy's uh, looking for work right now, quite frankly. And it looks like he's formed a new band called Randy Quaid and the Fugitives. He's about ready to do a couple of sets here. Let's go check out Randy Quaid and the Fugitives. Randy Quaid has become 
controversial in these later years because of his legal battles. Uh, yeah, what uh, can you tell the folks what what his troubles consisted of? Well, he's got multiple issues. Uh, looking for Canadian uh, citizenship, not paying bills at hotels, uh, a variety... Yeah, not showing up when they were subpoenaed for court for and court. then becoming, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, delinquent the court and they had to, you know, flee the country. Pretty much. I mean, the the entire Canadian adventure was was due to the lack of funds or the belief that they didn't have to pay these funds. Um, In two thousand and eight, he was banned by Actors Equity for life and fined eighty one thousand dollars for he had supposedly was going to be in this production called Lone Star Love, which was an adaptation of Merry Wives of Windsor in the Old West, and it got canceled right before Broadway because apparently it was said that he was abusive and exhibiting oddball behavior. Well, something evidently, in my estimation, transpired in his... uh, I think there was always some mental condition underlying. Um, I remember certain interviews where I always thought there's something a little off about Randy Quaid. Where there and was, that's what makes him such a compelling makes uh, him, yes, actor. Yes, exactly. As opposed to his brother, who was very straight-lined, and you'd get you'd get the distinguished answers, and he spoke like a professional and all. Yes, yeah, very solid, very professional. Yeah, very, very, very solid, very professional. But um, and you he, say they're both Trump supporters now. Well, he <laughs> after 2016, he was more than an, he was quite outspoken. And he was among the supporters who assert that the 2020 election has uh, been the, uh, the he, he believes in the big lie. He believes in the fix, which makes me believe that he certainly is, is a QAnon uh, person. He has got all of the tendencies and his history seems to dictate that lawlessness is his uh, is his calling card. Do you know, this is interesting, that he was the first cousin sec- twice removed from Gene Autry? No, that I did not know. Twice, but twice, no. but twice removed. Interesting. But twice. He's a Texas boy. He's yeah, from he's Houston, Texas, Texas went to the University of Houston. He uh, was in Brokeback Mountain and sued the producers for misrepresenting the film as a low-budget art house film with no prospect of making money. Okay. In 2009, he and his wife were arrested for defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara by using an invalid credit card to pay a bill of 10000 bucks. They get released on bail, uh, but they subsequently pay most of the bill. However, they failed to appear in court, and they appeared in court the following year. Uh, lack of evidence. Then in 2010, he and his wife were charged with burglary after they spent five days occupying the guest house in a house they once owned, but I guess they thought they still owned in Santa Barbara. They love Santa Barbara, but who doesn't, right? Uh, They claimed the home was wrongfully transferred to a third party using a forged signature. Boy, this sounds like the entire story of 
the business dealings of uh, of members of the last administration. So he runs. He runs to Canada. In two, 2011, his his passport was revoked. Uh, in 2015, he was deported, but he illegally drove to Vermont. Yes, and th- that's where they currently <laughs> reside. And no, nothing has occurred. Nothing has uh, occurred. I nothing, think everything has probably been. Yeah, yeah. Dropped. So he's. They're no longer seeking him. They they have other people to find. But yeah, there's um, other shit going on. Yeah. But let's. I one of my favorite motion pictures is the Last Picture Show. We forget that Randy Quaid has this nice little plum of a role in Last. Picture yeah, Show. and that was his first film, and um, you know that that like I said amazed me. In I I I had seen that film when it first came out, but I'd forgotten that Randy Quaid was in it. When I watched the Last Detail, you, you think that he is like off the street. He's just so um, natural yes. and odd, and you you can't imagine this guy was an actor. And but in fact, he studied acting at the University of Houston. And when Bogdanovich went down to cast the Last Picture Show, he he discovered he discovered Randy Quaid. I mean, this is a guy capable of 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 creating a very believable. Uh, Mitch Mitchell in a TV version of Streetcar Named Desire in 84. Yeah, that's a good that's a good part for him. Yeah, it was a good part for him. Uh, as were, he had, he had a good run in the 80s with The Slugger's Wife and uh, LBJ, The Early Years, which was the first real depiction of Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, he was in Midnight Express. Midnight Express. He's Missouri with, Breaks with, with Nicholson Bra- and Brando in 76. Uh, the long he was riders. in Shemaine's favorite movie, Kingpin. Yeah, King, in, Kingpin. 1996. Yeah, yeah, that love, was her favorite movie. I, lo- I love that. I, I, I lo- <laughs> There's something about that film that just. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He was in Mice and Men for he a played, TV version. And playing he played Lenny. That's Lenny. A great and I remember casting. that from um, in, the, in the 80s. I guess it was around 81 because I was living in Lubbock then. And uh, I remember watching it. Uh, I remember watching it in, in, in Lubbock before a show. Uh, but this is an illustrious f- fool for love. I mean, this is an illustrious career. And in 2011, he attempts to break into the music business with Randy Quaid and the Fugitive. We're going to a party. Yeah? Huh? With a little ditty called Star Smacker. And mm. a little video to okay. accompany it. And to my knowledge, he still attempts to perform. As you say a, that was in 2011? 2011. So he, did, he must have been in Canada when he did that. Must have been in Canada. He must have, must have been horsing around. With Look, those looking people. for, a new, looking for a, a new career. Looking for a new something. Looking for a new country. Looking for a new career. But uh, you talk about a fall from grace because he's one of those faces you never forget. He's one of those um, actors, and you would know better than I, as a character actor yourself, what it takes, uh, the, the demands of stretching yourself into these positions and then turning yourself into a leading man and playing in a miniseries where he portrays Lyndon Baines Johnson. Right. Well, this is he was one of those fortunate character actors who got elevated 
to leading man, quirky, but leading man status. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite an achievement for somebody as off-center as he is. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that is our selection for the boho. And the boho goes to Mr. Randy Quaid for the last detail. It's a beautiful thing. I think we covered a great deal of ground regarding the uh, all things surrounding this film. And, yeah, I think and, we did pretty well. And the career of, of Mr. Quaid. And uh, you, you perked up. I think what happens is, well, we did an episode prior to this, and uh, I'm going through this sleepless issue. So things are like two stories above. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting from the Eiffel Tower. Why would I choose the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> Have we mentioned France once? Have we mentioned no, Pepe Le Pew? We'll no. keep it in. But in any case, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for joining us for this episode of And the Splendid Boho Goes To. We shall retain with more, uh, with more entertaining fare for you. Put on a stack of 45s. And please don't forget Captain Billy's Magic 8-Ball. What does the captain do? Well, the captain goes into his treasure trove of eight tracks. He puts his hand in a box, he lifts one up, he looks at it, he goes, aha. And he gives us two and a half to three minutes of beautiful narrative, some insights that you may not have thought of in relation to this recording. And we give you the entire album itself in high definition. My friend, I thank you. I thank you as always for your uh, experience, your strength, your hope, your patience with your uh, partner, Rich Buckland. And your expertise, as always, we shall return. As a I pleasure, my friend, said, a pleasure. A pleasure it is. I love you. We love you out there. Thank you for sticking with us, and we will see you soon. You take care of each other. Bye-bye. Later, babies. <laughs>